Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Hallelujah. Whoa, need a drink. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving, I think. I can still say that, right? I hope everybody uh, is sufficiently stuffed. I know I definitely got sufficiently stuffed, over-sufficiently, I think. You know, we stuff the turkey, and then the turkey stuffs us. And, uh, and we love it. <laughs> and it was great. So, yeah, good morning. It's good to be here. Um, I'm so happy this morning because my daughter is here and her husband, Igel, over in the back. Wave your hand. <laughs> She's here from Reading, and she got to spend a, a week with us along with uh, Igel, her husband. And we had a great time in Thanksgiving, and so glad you guys are with us this morning. I do have a, a few funny things. And so let's just let's just start off uh, with some with some faith laughs. Ha ha ha! He he he! Ha ha ha! Come on, I want to hear some faith laughs. Ha ha ha! We're just laughing in faith that, <laughs> that these are going to be funny. <laughs> All right, so you might just keep giving them faith laughs if you don't think they're funny. <laughs> okay, remember when plastic surgery was a taboo subject? Well, now you mention Botox, and nobody raises an eyebrow. <laughs> my wife and I, <laughs> this one's funny. My wife and I child-proofed our house yesterday. It was a total waste of money. They all got back in within minutes. The older I get, the more I understand why roosters just scream to start their day. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I slapped you, but you didn't seem like you would ever stop talking, and I panicked. <laughs> Don't try that at home. <laughs> Good word. <laughs> I just panicked. I'm sorry. It's like, ah, oh, my, my, okay, this, I got one more. My wife and I decided to never go to bed angry at each other. We've been awake since Thursday. <laughs> yeah, we don't relate to that at all. Never, never happened. We've never even had an argument. I mean, what is that? It's, some of you probably relate to that, though. So, you know, that's for you other people. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord, we thank you that you're here. Jesus, you're here. You're right here. Holy Spirit, you're here you're with us. We just thank you for your presence. What an honor it is that you just have given us your presence, that it's always with us. You're right here. You're present with us right now. So we just thank you. We honor your presence, Holy Spirit. We honor your presence, Father. We honor your presence, Jesus. We just thank you, God. Make your presence more real to us today. We just thank you, Holy Spirit. We just yield to you in whatever you want to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I think we have it for the screens. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. It says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's, let's say this again. Let's say it together. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Life is complicated sometimes. And you know what I would love? I would love sometimes I get in this thought of like, I would just really love to sit down with God and just say, God, am I, do, am I on the right track? Am, am I doing the right things? Am I, is there things I'm doing that I should not be doing? Are, are there things that I should be doing that I'm not doing? I, I mean, sometimes I just want to have this conversation with God, like, God, am I, am I on the right track? What is your will? What is your plan for my life? But here's the thing. God's will is actually revealed for us and to us in this passage. It says, this is God's will for you. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for your life. So whatever you're doing, you may not be in the place where you're like, this is, this is the place I want to be. You may not be in that place yet. But whatever you're doing right now, if it's married with these three things, it's going to bear good fruit in your life. So whatever you're doing, God says, this is my will for your life. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And no matter what you're doing, what your job is, where you're at in life, what season you're in, if it's married with those things, it will produce fruit in your life. This is it. This is God's will. So there it is. That's God's will for your life. We can all just go home now. Just take that and go home. So whatever you're currently doing, if it's married with these things, it's going to bear good fruit in your life. So what is good fruit? What does good fruit look like? So I could talk about a lot of different things about what good fruit is, but I want to focus on these three things. Here's some really good fruit that we want to see in our lives. Emotional health, spiritual health, mental health. So emotional health, health is living a life of joy and peace. Living a life of joy and peace. Spiritual health is living a life of presence and connectedness with God. Mental health, a mind that's directed towards thankfulness. So by the way, if you're looking for a life mentor or a spiritual mentor, you need to be looking for good fruit in that person's life. You're not looking for the person who has the biggest anointing. You're not even looking for the person that's the most has the most wisdom. You're looking for good fruit in their life. I'm not following anybody that doesn't have a joy-filled life. That's the fruit I'm looking for. What does their marriage look like? What does their relationships look like? Do they have a lot of long-standing great relationships or do they have a trail of broken ones? I don't care how big their anointing is. I'm looking at fruit. Do they have joy? So I believe this passage here, it's the key to emotional health, 
spiritual health, and mental health. So we could just park really on this scripture. We could park here probably for the next five years and have plenty of revelation. This is it. If we could just get this one thing, there's so much that we could do and so much that God can do with this. Okay, so let's just talk about this passage. So number one, there's three things he says to do. Number one, rejoice always. Is anyone else challenged by that? <laughs> Me and there's two others in the back and Surrey. <laughs> always, rejoice always. You mean always, always, like all the time? So I have good news for those of you that are challenged by that. I actually looked it up in the Greek, and always actually means just once in a while when you feel like it. So <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I think I could do that. <laughs> no, it doesn't say always in the Greek means always. Rejoice always. How many know God wouldn't tell you to do something that you're incapable of doing? So this, is, this should encourage you encourage us that this is available. This is possible. Rejoice always. The key to emotional health is rejoicing always. Joy is an emotion, and joy is one-third of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, is righteousness, peace, and joy. So when God shows up, there's a whole lot of joy. Amen? So sometimes rejoicing takes great faith. Sometimes it's, it takes, it's a step of faith to rejoice, especially if we're going to rejoice always. There's going to be times where our emotions are not telling us to rejoice, and we're actually going to lead our emotions, and, and we're going to rejoice in faith, kind of like my faith laughs before we tell the, tell the jokes. <laughs> I'm going to have you laugh in faith. So sometimes we rejoice in faith. So there's a difference between acknowledging God's worth and celebrating his worth. Let me say that again. There's a difference between acknowledging God's worth and celebrating his worth. So we can sing a song about God's goodness and we could acknowledge that and say, yes, that's true. God is good. But a higher level of praise is moving from acknowledgement to celebration to move from acknowledging that he's good to I'm going to celebrate his goodness. This is a step of faith. I'm going to actually choose to celebrate that his love is just reckless over me rather than, yep, God, you're good. Like, that's good. That's a good starting place. Like, yeah, I agree with that. That's, that's a great starting point, right? Amen? <laughs> but there's a difference to step into another level of faith and say, I'm going to actually connect my emotions with this. Now, I'm going to actually celebrate his goodness. I love reading about David in the Bible. And David's first wife was Michael. And Michael was Saul's youngest daughter. And it's interesting. Michael was raised as a princess. She was raised as royalty. She was raised very different than David. David was out in the, the pasture, he was a shepherd boy. He was out killing lions, killing bears, slinging his slingshot around. Very different upbringing than Michael. And Michael was his first wife. And when David finally became king after Saul died, David set out to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. 
And I'm going to read this as 2 Samuel, a couple verses in Second uh, Samuel. It says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. And then drop down to verse 20. It says, when David re- returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came around or came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. How many know that's not a compliment? <laughs> Sarcasm is alive in the Bible. <laughs> How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. Burn. That's every translation. (laughs) He says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. David purposed to celebrate, to connect his emotions when he was praising the Lord. I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. In verse 23, it says, And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So David didn't just acknowledge God's goodness, but he let his emotions get involved. David rejoiced before the Lord with all his might. Now, how many times have you rejoiced? Have we rejoiced before the Lord with all our might? Have we ever done that? He rejoiced before the Lord. He purposed in his heart. This was an intentional thing. He didn't just say, I, I, I'm gonna, I feel like doing this. I'm gonna. He's like, no, I have purposed in my heart. That's what he, one of the things he told Michael. He says, going back to there, he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. He purposed to celebrate, to connect his emotions with what he was doing. So rejoicing requires humility. How many know that, that rejoicing requires humility? He says, I'll become even more undignified than this, and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. Rejoicing is vulnerable, but choosing to rejoice creates fruitfulness in your life. Because Michael despised David's display of joy, the Bible says that Michael had no children for the, whole, for the rest of her life. Rejoicing produces the good fruit of emotional health in our lives, while despising joy causes fruitlessness. The fact that she despised the display of joy, it actually caused her to be fruitless in her life. And it's interesting, if you read that whole story, David does this exuberant dance all the way into the city of Jerusalem. And then he gives everybody fruitcake. He's like, and it's, and it's like raisins and like dates. And it's, but it's interesting. He gave, I didn't connect that until like a couple days ago. I was like, he gave them fruit. Like, <laughs> 
It's like it produced this fruitfulness. And despising joy produces fruitlessness. So let's talk about some practicals. The Bible says rejoice always. It's hard to rejoice always if we don't manage what we're focused on. I, I can tell you for sure that if I wake up in the morning and I start scrolling on social media and I'm looking at what's happening in the world, I'm not rejoicing. <laughs> I don't want to start like that. I've done that. And I'm like, oh, why did I do that? This, that was not a good idea. We need to be intentional about where we're putting our focus. If we're, if we're not focused on the right things, it's really hard to stay in this place of rejoicing. Yeah. So much easier to rejoice when I keep my focus on him. When we wake up in the morning, we need to be intentional about tuning into what God is saying and doing, not on what the world is saying and doing. Amen? We need to know what God is saying, what he's doing. Then we can, we're ready to hear what's happening in the world because we know what God's plan is. I love Bill Johnson. He said, I heard him say this once, at any moment, I'm five minutes away from discouragement. He says, all I have to do is change my focus. If I start focusing on the wrong things, I'm, I'm, I'm this close to discouragement at any point. And when I heard him say that, I thought, oh, you too. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I'm this close to discouragement if I just shift my focus on not what God's doing, not what God's saying, but what the world's doing, what the world's saying. Discouragement is really close at any moment if I shift my focus. So we need to be intentional about what we're focused on. So the Bible says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. So let's talk about pray continually. I think a lot of times I'm speaking out of the things that God's revealing to me. And I think for me, this was one of the biggest things that came alive to me and was a, like a new revelation to me in this, in this message. Bible says, pray continually. Your main purpose in life is just to be with him. Your main purpose in life is just to be with him. Pray continually or praying continually, it's a key to spiritual health and maintaining an awareness of his presence in your life. What if sometimes our question is, God, what should I be doing? Like, what's, what should my job be? But what if the primary thing that we're just supposed to be doing is these things? Rejoice always, pray continually, giving thanks. And the other stuff is like second-tier importance. It's like I've heard Bill Johnson say people come up to him and they're like, would you just pray for me about what I'm supposed to do in my life? And they're like, well, he's like, well, what are your options? And they're like, well, I'm not sure if I should be like a teacher or a veterinarian. And he's like, well... Bible says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out lepers. It's like, so pick one of those things and then heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out lepers. Or cast out lepers. <laughs> Get those lepers out of here. <laughs> cast them out. <laughs> cast out demons. Thank you. <laughs> Those are good corrections. <laughs> yeah. 
So what if, what if our primary purpose is just to be with him? Just to be with him. And then everything else is like a secondary importance. It's like, does it really matter if I'm a lawyer or a doctor as much as just pursuing him and just knowing him? And then, as I said when I started off this message, if we're doing those things, no matter what we're doing, it's going to be fruitful. If we're rejoicing, always praying continually, giving thanks, all the other things are going to be fruitful in our life. So I, I feel like it's a paradigm shift of like sometimes we can get stuck in this like, am I on the right track? And like I said to begin with, like, God, am I doing the right thing? And it's like your primary thing is just to be with me. And if you're, if you're doing that, the other things are going to be fruitful automatically. Now, praying continually doesn't look like being locked in a prayer closet 16 hours a day. But praying continually is acknowledging him in all things. I told you a story a couple weeks ago about Chuck Perry at Bethel. And we were doing the, the prayer tunnel, the fire tunnel. And when Chuck Perry, he, he just like touched my belly and he just started to pray for me. He said my name. And it was like exuberant joy hit me and I started to like cackle like a like a laughing hyena. It was actually quite embarrassing. It was like, ah! it was like everything was just like exuberant joy just bursted out of me and I just doubled over and I was just laughing like probably as hard as I've ever laughed. I don't know. Have you ever heard me laugh harder than that? <laughs> and I brought Chuck Perry up because he has this thing that he talks about. I've heard him talk about it a few times, but he calls it, oh, but you're here. And he said, it's a way of like praying continually. Like you go throughout your day and a challenge arises or a, something stresses you out or something, you're here, you hear about something happening in the world and he just stops and says, oh, but you're here. Oh, but Jesus, you're here. I have the king of glory inside of me. I have all the answers. I have infinite wisdom inside of me. Oh, but you're here. Or even you can do this in like, you know, God wants to be with you at all times. Even like something good happens in your life and you need to celebrate with someone. Just like, oh, you're here to celebrate this with me. You're here. This is what praying continually looks like. Oh, but you're here, Jesus. No matter what happens, you get a bad report. Oh, but you're here. You're here. You're right with me. Praying continually is just being aware of his presence. This is the primary purpose of your life, to be with Jesus. Oh, but you're here, Jesus. You're with me. When we acknowledge him, we're honoring him, and he shows up. He shows up. He's right here with us. So the Bible says, pray without ceasing. In other words, view prayer as your ongoing primary occupation. What do you do for a living? I pray continually. I thought you, were, I thought you worked at Starbucks. I do that too, but my main job is I pray continually. This is your primary occupation. 
what do you do for a living? I'm just trying to be aware of the Lord all the time. That's what I do. Prayer is something that makes you more fruitful. Prayer is engagement. Think of prayer as engagement. Pastor Joy's message last week was called, What is Truth? And we learned that truth is a person. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So when we engage with the Lord, when we just stop, oh, but you're here. We're engaging with truth. We're engaging with wisdom. Oh, but you're here. I'm, I have wisdom connected to me. We engage with life. Jesus said, I am the life. So we're engaging with real life. Oh, but you're here. Prayer is engagement. Prayer is the engagement of a person where we are changed. John 15, 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So we're meant to be fruitful. We're meant to bear fruit. And the only way that we can bear fruit is by abiding in him. How many people feel like they're, they know what they're doing when it comes to prayer? Because I'm not quite sure that I know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm the only one. But when I look at prayer as engagement, it really helps. Prayer is just engaging God and acknowledging him. Oh, but you're here. This is prayer. Jesus, you're here. Just stopping to engage him. This is it. Bible says we don't know how to pray as we ought. It's kind of a, that hit me just in a funny way this week. It's like, you don't know how to pray like you should. It's like, he's telling us you don't know how to pray the right, the right way. It's like, you don't know how to pray as you ought. So that's why I'm going to have you pray in the spirit because then the Holy Spirit is going to pray the perfect will of God for you. We don't know how to pray as we ought. So when we don't know what we're doing in prayer, we can pray in the Spirit, or we, when we don't know what to pray for, we can pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit prays the perfect will of God through us. So when the Bible says to pray continually, that certainly includes praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Just acknowledge Him. Pray. You can use words if necessary, or you can just pray in the Spirit. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So last thing, let's talk about giving thanks. The key to mental health is giving thanks in everything. Rejoicing always is the key to emotional health. Praying continually is the key to spiritual health. And giving thanks is the key to mental health. Thankfulness recalibrates our brain. And it points us toward the direction that God has for us. Thankfulness is like, it's like the opposite of worry. It's like I'm not going to focus on what I don't have, what I'm worried about. I'm going to focus on what I have and what I'm thankful for. And it actually calibrates our brain and gets our brain straightened out.
Do you know that David assigned some people just to be at the temple to give thanks full time? I, let's like, again, what's your job? I give thanks. I show up at the temple and I just start thanking God for everything I can think of for eight hours. And then Bob comes after me and he gives thanks for eight hours. And then somebody comes after him and he gives thanks for eight hours. And then I show up and relieve that guy. And there's just somebody here just constantly giving God thanks. Actually hired someone to do this. Your job, I'm going to pay you to just be here and give thanks. This is your primary occupation. Psalm 24, David said, Lift up your heads, O heavenly gates, that the King of glory may come in. There's one thing that makes you aware of God and repels the enemy, and that's praise. Praise makes you aware of God, and simultaneously it's repelling the enemy. The enemy hates your praise. He's trying everything he can to stop your praise. Thankfulness is honoring God for what he's done. Thankfulness is just focusing God on what he's done, not what he's not done, not what the enemy's doing. Thankfulness prepares our hearts for worship. If you want to just get ready for worship on your way to church, just start thanking God for everything you can think of. It prepares your heart. It opens up your heart. It cultivates your heart for worship. You'll get in here and you'll be like, wow, how can I not worship him? I'm so blessed. Thankfulness creates forward momentum. Thankfulness generates hope. If you need more hope in your life, put it on your to-do list to just be thankful, to spend time each day being thankful. Paul and Silas, they cast a demon out of, out of this woman in Rome, and the owners of this uh, slave girl they were very unhappy with this because they were using this person to make money. And so they drug Paul and Silas into uh, the city to be tried and accused them of a bunch of stuff that wasn't true. And the Bible says that they were beaten with rods. And in some translations, it says that they were severely beaten. And they're put, they were put into a dungeon, and not just in the dungeon, but in the worst part of the dungeon, because they were considered like enemies of the state. Like, hey, we don't want this influence in Rome. Put them in the deepest part of the dungeon. Lock them away. Get them out of here. So they're put in a dungeon, and it probably is a space that makes our prisons today look like summer camp. And they were chained to, floor, to the floor. And the Bible says that at midnight, they started to sing. And I'm going to read that scripture. It's Acts chapter 16 says, now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's changed, chains were unfastened. So when Paul and Silas praised and worshiped God, not only did it release them from bondage, but it released others around them from bondage. That's a good word. Your praise releases you from bondage, but it'll also release people around you from bondage. 
We've been in worship before, and we've had people multiple times this has happened. Someone has came up after worship throughout the years and just said, when you guys were, were worshiping today, I saw the worship going over, one person said New York, going over New York and just prophesying over New York. Like when we praise, something happens. Why do you think the enemy is trying so hard to stop your praise? Because it's a key to your breakthrough, and it's a key to breakthrough for people who are around you. Even the prisoners that were next to them, their chains fell off. There's something there. It said the prisoners were listening to them. They were listening to their praise. And then it set them free. This is good stuff. I'm going to take a drink behind that one. What Paul and Silas did took great faith because they were praising before the breakthrough. Here's a big, big key about praise. Praise isn't just what you do after a good thing happens. Praise is a catalyst for breakthrough. Praise is like, like think of praise as like, oh, this is what I do when I need the breakthrough. I'm going to praise. I'm going to do what David did. He's like, I'm going to attach my emotion to this. I'm going to like celebrate with joy and just exuberantly praise the Lord. Like praise is a catalyst for breakthrough. If we, if we think of praise as that's what I do when, the, when I get the raise. That's what I do when things go my way. We're missing it on praise. Praise is a catalyst for the breakthrough. There's so much power in praise and thankfulness that the enemy has a special weapon to, to counter it. It's called offense. If the enemy can get us operating in offense, he'll steal our praise. We become offended. How many know that it's, it's a little crazy out there? People are confused of what bathroom they should use. People are confused of what gender that they are. It's, it's a little crazy out there right now. But if I start to move in offense and I become offended at people, I'm playing on the enemy's battlefield. And here's the thing is I can beat the enemy every time as long as I refuse to play on his battlefield. The picture of this is Israel. Israel, every time they went to the Lord and said, how do we fight? How do we fight this battle? Every time they did that, they win. 100% success rate. They would lose when they would not inquire of the Lord or they would do it differently than the Lord said or they were, went into bondage into Babylon when they decided they were not going to follow God and they were going to follow these other gods that took them into bondage. But every time that they did it God's way, they were successful. So we can win. This is a picture of we can beat every enemy that the world is, is encountering right now. And that the things that are up against us, we can win this battle, but we have to do it God's way. If we go into offense, we immediately are playing in the enemy's battlefield, and we can't be successful in his battlefield. Our battle is not against people. It's against the enemy. We, we need to separate the two. We have compassion on the people. We pray for the people, and we, our battle is against the enemy. Amen. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life.
Next time you're wondering, what should I be doing with my life? Go look at this scripture. This is what you should be doing with your life. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. These are the keys to emotional, spiritual, and mental health. And they're devastating tools against the enemy. The enemy is warring against these things because they're devastating against him. I want you to close, close your eyes this morning. Amen. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. I just want to give everybody a chance here to receive Jesus. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, you can do that right now. Or if you're here and you've, you've done that, maybe you did it when you were a child, but you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, you can do that this morning. Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago. And he came to do many things. The Bible says he came to, to heal the sick. He came to reveal the Father. He came to set the captives free. But the most important thing he came to do and he purposed to do was to come and die. See, Jesus came and willfully gave up his life. He went to the cross and he exchanged his life. He laid down his life so that he could provide life to us, freedom, salvation, joy. But he didn't stay dead on the cross. He raised three days later, and he's alive, and he's here right now. He's in this place. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. He's here right now. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you, and he wants you. He desires you, and you can give everything to him right now. So I'd like us to say this prayer together. So everybody in this place, we're going to say this prayer together. And it just gives those an opportunity who want to rededicate their life or they've never given their heart to Jesus to give their heart to Jesus right now. So let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for me. I accept you, Jesus. Come and be my Savior. Come and be my Lord. Wash me of all unrighteousness. I accept you this day. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, and you meant it in your heart, I believe Jesus just came into your life. Yeah. And if you, if you said that for the first time with the eyes closed and heads bowed, if you said that for the first time, or you rededicated your life, would you just let me know just by lifting your hand so I can see it? Thank you, Jesus. Also, anybody on live stream, if you just gave your heart to Jesus for the first time or rededicated, would you just let us know in the live stream? Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody that said that for the first time? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord.